0: You're listening to the Weekly Sermon Podcast from Liberty Family Church. For more information about our church, head to the website libertyfamilychurch.net.au Good morning Liberty Family Church and good morning if you're visiting online with us today. Let's open the Word of God together this morning and let's continue a series I began a few weeks ago titled The Rock, The Stumbling Block and The Mountain. It's a series centred in Matthew's Gospel and it examines the identity and the mission of Jesus. The first message a few weeks ago was called The Rock. And if you missed it or want a refresher, you can listen in or watch it from links on our website or our Facebook page. In that message, in that first message, I explained that Jesus wanted his disciples to be clear and understand who he was and the nature of his mission. So Jesus took his disciples aside to a quiet place at the foot of Mount Hermon, 40 kilometres north of the Sea of Galilee, and posed them a question, who do you say that I am? And Peter answered on behalf of the group, saying, You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And Jesus replied that as the apostles declared this truth about Jesus' identity and the nature of his mission, it would be the rock, the solid foundation on which he would build his church. This rock of truth was and still is the key to release people from the power of sin and death. And it is also the key to the kingdom of heaven. And I hope that you've already taken hold of those keys by accepting the truth about Jesus' identity and his mission. I hope that you have put your faith in Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Well, that's where we left off a few weeks ago, And this morning's message we're going to continue, and it's called The Stumbling Block. And we continue in Matthew's Gospel. So let's read together from Matthew's Gospel, chapter 16, verses 21 to 28. From that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Never, Lord, he said, this shall never happen to you. Jesus turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? For the Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory with his angels and then he will reward each person according to what they have done. Truly I tell you, some who are standing here will not taste death before they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. So Peter And the disciples have declared and understand that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of the living God. This truth declared by the apostles would be the rock on which Jesus would build his church. And this truth is the key to unlock the gates of death and Hades and to open the kingdom of heaven to all who would put their faith in Jesus Christ. This is the grand plan, but now Jesus must share the details. How are we going to achieve all this? How do we go about it? What will it cost? Well, isn't that a bit like how government sometimes works? Grand plans, a big press release, mighty fanfare. The end results sound great and the electorate and the voters are impressed. New freeways are gonna be built, new schools will be built, new hospitals, new train stations, and new sporting facilities for the community. The plans are grand, but the devil is in the detail. Who gets burnt in the process? Whose house gets pulled down to make way for the freeway? And how much extra tax will we have to pay to fund it all, what will it all cost? Well, likewise, Jesus' plan is grand. And I'm sure Peter and the disciples are impressed. And I guess you are too, set free from sin and death and heaven waits. Everything sounds rosy. But hang on a minute, what's it all going to cost? You know, the thing I like about Jesus and his plans is that there is no hidden cost. Jesus has fully funded the whole project, but more than that, it's at his own expense. Well, wouldn't you vote for someone like that? Imagine if our politicians made promises like that. So Jesus' project is fully funded and now he shows his disciples how he's going to pay for it. So from that time on, Jesus clarifies how things are going to play out, what the cost will be. Jesus says that he's going to Jerusalem to suffer, to be killed, but to be raised to life again on the third day. But suddenly the cog starts spinning wildly in Peter's mind. Hey, that's not what I expected. You're the son of God. You're not supposed to die. So Peter takes Jesus aside and starts to rebuke him, saying, Never, I won't allow it. This is not going to happen to you. Now, Peter is way out of line. The disciple is rebuking the teacher. And this is totally unheard of in those times. Disciples are meant to follow behind their teacher, to walk in their shadow to be hardly seen and barely heard. Disciples weren't even supposed to express their own views in the presence of their teacher, things regarding the law. That would be subordination. And what Peter was doing amounted to treason. Peter was no longer following behind Jesus, but he'd stepped way out ahead of Jesus. And now he wants to run the show. The disciple is dictating to the teacher. And Jesus' response is short and it's sharp. Get behind me, Satan. You're a stumbling block to me. You're not thinking about God's plans. You're thinking about your own plans. Just a moment ago, Peter and his confession had been the rock on which Jesus would build his church a confession that had been revealed to Peter by God in heaven. But now Peter's words were as good as from the devil himself, words opposed to the plans of God, words that spoke more of human aspirations. So what did Peter have in mind? What were Peter's aspirations for Jesus? Peter believed and had declared that Jesus was the Messiah, but he thought the kingdom of heaven would be heralded in by some other means. Peter's idea of Jesus as the Messiah so far rested on observing Jesus' transcendent power. Peter had seen Jesus walk on water, and Peter had even walked on water himself, at Jesus' command. Well, with power like that, nothing could stop them. Nothing could stand in Jesus' way. Surely Jesus was just waiting for the right moment to reveal his power, his authority, and his glory to the world. And then everything and everyone would fall into line, people would fall down and worship, and Jesus would assume power and authority. Rome and Caesar would be cast aside and Jesus would rule, right? Well, no, actually wrong. That's the way of the world. That's the way the world works. That's the way the world thinks, Peter. These are the concerns and the thoughts of men. Comfort, wealth, power and fame, These aren't God's thoughts or concerns. So Jesus pulls Peter right up in his tracks. God's plan is different from your plan, Peter. God's plan involves suffering and death before resurrection and glory. There's no shortcut here, Peter. The devil has already put that offer on the table. Glory without suffering. Glory without death. I met him in the wilderness, and Satan offered me instant fame and glory to worship him, but I turned him down. And do you know why? Do you know why, Peter? Because the devil was in the detail. The devil was absolutely all over the detail. I could have the fame and the glory without suffering, but something would be missing. Something would be lost. Someone would be lost. You, Peter. It wouldn't include you. Without the suffering and the death, I can't save you, Peter, or anyone else for that matter. I could save myself the trouble, but I couldn't save you. Well, isn't that the way so often with shortcuts? We think a shortcut will save us time and trouble, but how often do we just end up getting lost? How many times have you followed the satellite navigator and ended up down a dead-end dirt track out the back of nowhere? How many times have you thought you could build it without the instructions and ended up disappointed? Shortcuts so often leave us coming up short. And Jesus said there was no shortcut on the road to glory. There was no shortcut to saving us on the road to glory. Jesus had to suffer and die. Peter's shortcut was a stumbling block that would leave casualties all over the road. And you and I would be part of that road toll. Jesus could have the glory, but the road toll would be unthinkable, unthinkable to God. That was not what God had in mind. What you propose, Peter, is a stumbling block to the plans of God. Well, up until now, it's all been about how Jesus must suffer and die to save you and I and Peter on the road to glory. There's a shortcut to glory, which turns out to be a stumbling block to failure. Or there's a long and painful road of suffering and death on the way to success. And Jesus chose his road to glory, and it was the way of the cross. But now it gets personal for you and for me. Jesus turns the spotlight around on to his disciples and on to you and me. Did you know that there is also a stumbling block on our road to glory? Just when you think that Jesus has built a highway to heaven, you also find out that there's a detour to hell. Well, that just knocks the wind right out of your sails, doesn't it? Just when you think you can sail straight into heaven, we're told our ship can still be sunk. Jesus tells us that if we want to be his disciples, then we must deny ourselves, take up our cross and follow him. That if we want to save our life, we will lose it. But if we lose our life for his sake, we will save it. Well, what's Jesus talking about? About here, What does he mean? It seems like perhaps he's talking a little bit in riddles. What is Jesus talking about here? Well, what Jesus is talking about is how we live our lives. Like Peter, do we have in mind the concerns of God or merely human concerns, the concerns of men? If you have in mind the concerns of men, things like comfort, wealth, power and fame, then you might save your life and plans on earth. You might gain the whole world in this life only to lose everything, to lose it all, including your soul and your life in glory. But on the other hand, if you have in mind the concerns of God. If you're prepared to follow God's plans and leading for your life, even if the road might be hard, even if the road involves suffering, then the concerns of men, human concerns, for your life will be dead and buried. Fame, fortune, power, comfort and safety will not be the number one Priorities of your life. Following God's plan and leading for your life will be your priority. And for many of Jesus' disciples, both then and now, as we know from persecuted Christians in many countries across the world, and as we heard from Open Doors last week, those plans, following God's plan for your life, might include suffering. And for some, it might even cost them on earth as martyrs of the faith. But Jesus' promise is that you will save your soul and life in glory. Now, it's important to make one thing, something quite clear here Jesus is not preaching or proclaiming some works based mentality where we can save ourselves by doing things for God. We are not saved from sin by works, but by faith alone. But when we are saved through faith in Jesus Christ, we become a new person. We're born again by the Spirit of God, indwelt, motivated and led by the Holy Spirit of God to live for God and his plans and his purposes. The Spirit of God changes our motivations from within, so we desire to live for God's kingdom and his purposes and plans. And living for God's kingdom and being led by the Holy Spirit motivates us to do the good works that God has prepared in advance for us. Now these good works might cost us something, it might cost us some comfort, it might cost us some finance or some power or some fame along the way. And these good works might even involve suffering and for some they might even cost them their life on earth as martyrs of the faith. But Jesus says that any sacrifice that God calls us to make on earth will be far outweighed by our reward when Jesus returns in his full glory. And just as Peter and the disciples thought that this was perhaps some pot of gold at the end of the rainbow, distant in time and distant on the horizon, Jesus brings home the reality that this hope is not far from them and also it's not far from us, from you and me. Jesus says that some of his disciples standing with him will not taste death before they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. This morning I want to ask each one of us a question. And it's a question that strikes deep at the heart. It's a question that asks where our heart is, where our home is. Is it on earth or is it on heaven? And the question is this. Are we living for the concerns of God or for the concerns of men? Are we living for the concerns of God or merely for human concerns. If our answer is the latter, then we still have a stumbling block on our road to glory. And if we don't remove it before it's too late, then it risks tripping us up on our road to glory. We risk losing our life and our soul. Because if we are still living merely for human concerns, then it calls into question whether we have truly been born again. And if you recall Jesus' words to Nicodemus, Jesus said that no one can enter the kingdom of heaven without being born again. So my encouragement to all of us today is to make sure that we are over this stumbling block, and to crush it completely, to put to death the concerns of men. And in its place, like Jesus, let's have in mind the concerns of God and to live for him, for his plans and for his purposes. That is the evidence of our faith, the evidence of our salvation, to have in mind the concerns of God of God. It's a mindset that will follow Jesus wherever he leads. Sometimes it may be through the valley of the shadow of death. But ultimately, if we keep following Jesus, it will lead us to the top of the mountain and a view of glory. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you that you have called us to be Jesus' disciples and to follow him. We thank you that Jesus took the road of suffering to glory because it meant he could bring us with him. We thank you that he got over the stumbling block of the concerns of men and he followed your purpose and your will for his life. We thank you that that plan involved the road of suffering, death in our place to pay the penalty for our sin and resurrection to new life and glory. We pray that we will be able to put our faith completely in the work of Jesus, not relying on the things that we do, but to put our faith entirely in his sacrifice. Thank you for your Holy Spirit that leads us to be born again, to create in us a new person driven by the will of your Holy Spirit. We pray, Holy Spirit, that you would guide us along that path. Help us to follow Jesus wherever you lead us in our life and help us to live for the concerns of God and not merely human concerns. We pray that you would power us to do that. In Jesus' name. Amen.